Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back to the SLC Dunk Podcast. I'm back with Calvin Chapel. Calvin, the Jazz start playing basketball games a week from today. We're recording this Sunday night. I don't know if this will get out tonight or sometime tomorrow, but the Jazz are going to be playing basketball, preseason basketball, post Donovan Mitchell, post Rudy Gobert, a week from today, preseason starts. Anyways, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's crazy that we're almost done with this wild off season. <laughs> it's been wild, and I personally am just excited for jazz basketball to be played. Like all the things that are have gone on, they actually play games in a week. Uh, there is some news that since the last time we talked that happened, there was another trade. Boyan Bogdanovich gets traded to the Detroit Pistons. For let's see, for Kelly Olynyk and and Saban Lee, uh, what are your thoughts on the trade? It's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, initial thoughts when that when I first got the notification that that trade happened, I texted or I messaged in the SLC Dunk group chat. Well, there's got to be a pick coming, right? So I, I was waiting for the pick, and then there was no pick. So. Um, I think there's, I think value wise, it's a bad trade. Just Bogdanovich's value is higher than what we got back. Um, based on all the reporting we've heard now, it sounds like there just wasn't really an option. According to, uh, Tony Jones, he says there were two trades out there with first round picks that they were heavily protected. And one of them, the Jazz would have had to give up Jared Vanderbilt and the other one they would have had to take back what he called the worst contract in the league. I'm assuming that means Duncan Robinson with the heat could possibly mean Westbrook, but I'm imagining it's probably Robinson because that works a lot better with Boyan. Um, either way, the trades that were there that could get us a first were just not good trades. I think if the jazz were willing to be more patient, better trades probably would have opened up. Um, maybe at the trade deadline, maybe early in the season, you know, once teams start playing and they see that they're not as good as they thought they should be, and they have a need that's not filled all of a sudden a player like Bogdanovich becomes a lot more interesting to them. So I think that a little more patience probably could have opened up better trades, but what this trade did was give us financial flexibility again, took off some money off the top, got it and, you know, let Boyan go and play, on a team that's actually going to be trying, they're probably not going to be very good yet, but they're going to be trying. They're on the way up rather than on the way down and uh, opens up playing time for our young guys. 
Yeah, I mean, the Boyan Bogdan, like, I think you summed it up pretty darn well. I think some things Jazz fans, and even myself, because I, I did the same thing. I was like, well, there's got to be some sort of pick, right? Like, And it just never came. I, I guess when you kind of look at Boyan's contract and you just kind of take a lot of things into consideration, it, he's in the final year of his contract. Uh, he makes He's making just under $20 million, so he makes $19.3 million on this final year of his contract. So that's pretty big, actually, $20 million for Boyan is pretty high. And then you consider that he's 33. He has had some injuries the last few years. So it's not like he's been incredibly durable. I mean, he has played in the playoffs, but he missed one playoff series for the jazz. And in, I think it was either, was it 2020? 2020 I think in the bubble. Yeah. He missed the playoffs in 2020 and he missed segments of like the last two seasons. Anyways, he's 33. He's older. There's one year left on the contract. I, I, there was a lot of interest in Boyan because he is a really good player. He is a player that can plug in with basically any team in the NBA and fit right in just because of his ability to score the ball. Uh, defensively is pretty big question mark, especially as he just keeps getting, I mean, 33, he's going to be 34. So I don't know. I, I think that maybe our expectations were probably a little high. And like you said, to get back the picks we wanted, we would have had to give up Jared Vanderbilt. And he's obviously not on the table, at least at that price. Right. I can't remember who tweeted it out. I think, I mean, I think it was Tony Jones. He was tweeting today or talking about what was available. I mean, basically, they had the chance to get heavily protected first for Boyan, but it would be, would have been giving up Jared Vanderbilt for heavy firsts from either the Lakers or the Suns. That's just not good enough. I mean, uh, to take on Russell Westbrook and take back protected first is ridiculous, and so. Uh, Danny Ainge, one thing that I just have come to really appreciate this summer with Danny Ainge is he just doesn't give up assets it, unless it's like, he feels like he's getting the right value back. And so he, you know, we didn't, I guess maybe we could say we didn't win the trade, but we didn't lose it either because we didn't give up anything to offload Bojan. And I think that was the big thing is they just, they want to clear space for players on the roster. So I guess that's where we need to start now. Uh, unless you wanted to add anything else about Boyan. Uh, the only thing I would just say is that I think that it's actually a really fun fit in Detroit. They're, I know a lot of fans oh, are probably just thinking that Detroit is what they've been for a while and just not a good team or fun to watch, but they're going to be fun. They've got a lot oh. of young talent, and with Cade Cunningham, especially at the end of last year, starting to look like a real legitimate NBA point guard, with his creation skills are just so fun to watch. And you put a dead eye shooter like Boyan in this lineup of young players that they've now got some really good rim runners. They just drafted Jalen Duran. And it's going to be a really fun lineup. So I'm excited to see how that works. I think Boyan's the perfect guy to the perfect uh, veteran that you can put on a young team that helps them get better and helps them kind of learn how to play within a system and, I think it makes a lot of sense for Detroit, and they didn't have to give up a lot. I, I'd be confident saying that they won the trade pretty well. But um, again, the Jazz were going to trade Bogdanovich. I wish they could have gotten something better out of it. I wish they could have gotten at least a second round pick or two. Um, maybe if they had been more patient, they could have done it. But you, we'll never know what was available. Well, and something you just said reminded me too. I mean, they just drafted Jaden Ivey as well, who mm. is going to be just. I mean, and I think the biggest thing that Boyan did, at least from my point of view for the Jazz, is he, you know, he's a great shooter. 
and he really spaces the floor. Like when he's on the floor, he just makes everyone else better just because there's just a little more space. The guy who's defending Boyan has to respect Boyan's shooting. Mm-hmm. And so someone like Jaden Ivey or Cade Cunningham, they're just going to have a little more room to breathe. And and so, like you said, Detroit's going to be a blast. Um, They're going to be really fun. They're a big league pass team. All right, let's see. Let's talk about the Jazz. So tomorrow is Utah Jazz Media Day. We're going to actually see uh, jazz players in the new jazz uniforms that everyone loves. Everyone's excited to see. Oh. <laughs> Everyone's excited to see media day photos of of the brand new duds. Um, I guess my first question is, uh, does Rudy Gay? <laughs> I can't even get through the question. Uh, how far away from training camp is Rudy Gay? Is he uh, even coming to Utah? <laughs> What's that's my first question. I mean, I've got to imagine that if there was a trade out there for Rudy Gay, he would have already been shipped off. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I guess, I guess that's where I wanted to go with this. I think one of the things I'm excited about, and I, I, we'll see in training camp, you can already see from the videos. I mean, you see jazz media put out Twitter videos and stuff, and you can see right through like the fake stuff. And I actually see this team and I do see some players that are like, they're ready to to really prove something. And I think that's one thing is this this training camp is the beginning of a an improved culture for the Jazz, a brand new culture for the Jazz. And I think that's why Rudy Gay's not going to be there cuz Rudy Gay was just awful in the locker room last year and just he didn't I mean it was it was one he didn't play well last year. He wasn't good and he was terrible in the locker room. So it's just like a double negative. Uh, he's not going to be a part of it because I think this jazz team really has set themselves up to have a good culture. Um, I'm excited to see Will Hardy and just what he does. It's just going to be interesting. But I like just as we started talking about this, this jazz team really is set up to have. I don't know how good the jazz will be. I don't think they'll actually be very good. And maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. But they are set up with a bunch of players that are trying to prove themselves that kind of have not really worked out in other places or not worked out like they hope, you know, like Larry Markinen is a guy that probably wants to come in and prove that he's awesome. Someone like Stanley Johnson is going to be in the locker room and he's going to want to prove that he like some of the good moments he had with the Lakers wasn't a fluke. And, and so he's going to be that type of guy coming in to try to prove that. And then we've got guys like, Simone, I, I don't even know. I got to figure out how to say that correctly. But Fontecchio, uh, people on the YouTube have told me Fontecchio. Uh, but anyways, uh, someone like that who we'll get to see and see how good he is. Is he good? Is he an NBA player or is he just a really good European player? Anyways, I guess what are some of the things you're excited to see with this roster? Yeah, the uh, the best part about having a team that's not looking for the playoffs right now is that means there's not the pressure to just get wins every time. And you can experiment with lineups. You can experiment with systems. You can try different players and take flyers on guys that other teams aren't willing to risk with because if we lose games, that's okay. So it's really fun to just, uh, to see, I'm really excited to see who's going to start for this team. Um, Okay, so let's start there. Who is starting for this Jazz roster next? Year? Okay, so if this if the, if there were no more trades, I've got to imagine that Mike Conley will start 
I don't imagine he'll play a ton of minutes, though. I think just that's how it goes in the NBA. When you have the status that a Mike Conley has, you get the starting spot. But in this situation where it's understood that the Jazz are not competing right now, they're probably already telling him that they're looking for a trade, and then he'll probably just play the casual 25 minutes maybe. Then I I can't imagine that Colin Sexton's off the bench. So I'd say Conley and Sexton is our starting backcourt. Small, but um, could be fun. Interesting to see how that would work. <laughs> could um, be fun. <laughs> That's going to be this whole season. It will be fun, though. It, yeah. I don't know. Could be good, maybe. I, okay. Here, let me put it this way. Here are the guys that I'm sure will start. Colin Sexton and Larry Markinen. I don't think there's any way either of those two are not starting, just because those are guys who have been starters in the NBA. They're still young, so they could fit for our timeline. And they're probably the best players. And so those are the guys that, you're, that are going to be starting. The rest of it is really, it's up for up to whatever uh, Coach Hardy sees in, in training camp and in practices. I'm really curious about the center spot. If it's Doak, if it's Olinick, if it's uh, Walker Kessler, it, I think it could go any of those three ways. Even Jared Vanderbilt could start at center. That's the thing. Well, I think Jared Vanderbilt is a lock to start too. I think, like you said, yeah. I think Markinen's a lock. Let's just do that. All right, let's just give our locks. We'll just talk. We're not talking David Locke. We're talking locks like Bill Simmons talks about. <laughs> Who's a lock? Uh, Colin Sexton is a lock to start. I agree. Um, I think Jared Vanderbilt is a lock to start. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned Laurie Markinen. I think you're right. I think he's a lock to start. Uh, but all of a sudden, this this roster gets pretty interesting because, you know, Markinen is one of those players where it'll be interesting to watch during the year. Is he a three or is he more of a stretch four? Because Vanderbilt can't shoot outside yet. I think right. the Jazz will try to develop that. Um, but he's kind of an he's really kind of a five who's a little undersized. Um, but he might be good enough defensively that maybe he is the five. I think the interesting one that they added that really, I think Kelly Olynyk is if they're just starting their best players, yep, is probably the starter. I would assume at center, Kelly Olynyk's bigger than people realize. I, I, I think, and he's absolutely the best center on the roster. The question is just whether that's what they're going for or if they're going to prioritize development. But you're right. If we're going for the best lineup, you're probably going to put. Conley, Sexton, Markinen, Vanderbilt, Olinick. And that way having Vanderbilt at the four doesn't hurt you too bad because Olinick can really shoot from outside. So you have a stretch five, but an inside four. And you mm -hmm. can probably make that work out. And yeah, and let's not I mean, I will I will say I like I'm talking like Jared Vanderbilt's an undersized center. I mean, he's a power forward, like you said, but man, the guy can rebound like crazy. He is the ultimate kind of Swiss Army knife guy. It's just his shooting is the issue. But inside of 10 feet, he's great. And defensively, he can really play as that. I mean, with Minnesota, he was playing the four next to Cat, but Cat's not a rim protector. So they had Vanderbilt as kind of this roaming free safety sort of four who would guard his man, but also guard the hoop because he's a really good secondary rim protector. And so he, he makes a lot of sense where you kind of have to put him at the four or the five, if you want to go small, you can put him at the five. 
but he can't go, you can't put him at the three. It's not going to work. So you have to make Markinen be flexible and play the three like he did in Cleveland, even though he's probably a four naturally too. So that's the funny part with our locks for starting. You kind of have two point guards and two power forwards. <laughs> and so yeah. you, you, have to, you have to make people work with it. Well, yeah. So you've got, I think you're right. So, well, maybe I'm, I don't know. I can't remember what, so Colin Sexton is going to start. Larry Markin is probably going to start. Um, Vanderbilt is going to start. Vanderbilt is going to be so interesting because he might, if we allow him to be this power forward that roams, if we had a good rim protector, all of a sudden he makes your defense pretty spectacular. And so I don't know, but Kelly Olenek, will probably start and that offensively at least kind of works because you have stretch bigs so vanderbilt and some other big aren't just clogging the paint and then like you said it's probably mike conley starting but i would assume he's probably playing 20 to 25 minutes so they can up his value because conley has two years left on his contract too and i think that's kind of a sign that they're probably going to be trying to move him during the year like at some point some team is going to have some sort of injury and Mike Conley is still a very good like offensive player. I think he's he's definitely in the twilight and on kind of the downward trend, but he can still light it up from three. He can still run a pick and roll. He can still play off. I think with one thing that helped Conley is that with Donovan, he kind of learned how to play off of a star really well. And so he's the type of guy I could see some like the Mavericks wanting or or someone like that who needs like a secondary creator shooter that can play off of the main guy and you know i could honestly the team i kind of think too is like denver would be a really cool interesting spot for mike conley somewhere where they have a kind of a superstar that kind of controls the offense and he plays off of that main guy i could see by the way i think you're right so i i don't know guys in the comments are you excited for Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, Laurie Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, and Kelly Olynyk? Are you in agreement, or is, do you think someone besides Kelly Olynyk starts? Basically, if you're going for your best five, I, I think it has to be those five. It's possible that that Will Hardy is totally in on the vision of just developing young players, and instead of Conley and Olynyk, you've got. Um, Abaji coming in next to Sexton and then Kessler or Doke at the center. It's possible that happens. I would imagine if that does happen, it would be later into the year, though, as the team kind of settles into their rotation and their spot in the standings and players get more comfortable with each other. That's often when the young players will jump into that starting lineup, especially if there are trades that happen before or at the deadline then that'll open up spots. So I would say day one, you're probably getting those five that we named. And then I wouldn't expect it to be a set starting five all year for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, the other thing, so I guess we could kind of talk about this a little bit too, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jordan Clarkson's still on this basketball team. And I guess I'm going to ask like two questions and I guess I'll just start, but the question is, how good are the Jazz? Because I kind of am seeing people do that. And this is what happens every year. Every fan of every fan base is excited about their team. And everyone's like, oh, maybe maybe we're pretty good this year. Like last year, we were like, oh, maybe they 
you know, get better. They'll be healthy and they'll win a title. Maybe they'll, you know, this year, I think I'm seeing the optimism is, is like, oh, I think we actually might be better than we think. <laughs> I don't think this jazz team is going to be very good. I mean, just when I mentioned Jordan Clarkson, there are going to be a lot of moments where Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are on the floor together. And it is going to be, I mean, there might be nights where like maybe Jordan goes crazy or maybe Colin Sexton has like a 40 point night or something like that, which both of those guys have that in them to do. But neither of those guys has proven to be a very good defender. Uh, maybe Colin Sexton can turn that in. I know he has like the the personality for it, but what he actually does, I mean, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I just there's going to be times where Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are on the floor together, and it's going to be really bad, and really bad, but also very good because it's bad. If that makes sense, <laughs> uh, we're going to have Malik Beasley, who is still on this team. Uh, very efficient shooter. He actually might be. I mean, if you kind of ranked the best players on this team, he's probably what our third or fourth best player. Yeah, maybe. I mean, can't be too far from the top. I mean, I guess there's so many things we could talk about, and we don't have all night. <laughs> but how good do you think the Jazz are going to be? Are you do you think Jazz fans are right to say, "Oh, this team might be better than you think"? No. Or do you think this is a team that loses a lot of basketball games? I Yeah, I'm totally with you. They're not a very good team. There are a lot of players that are real NBA players, which means they're not going to be the very worst team because the worst teams have a bunch of guys that you don't even know who they are. The, our team has – the Jazz have a lot of legitimate NBA players, which means there's a baseline that they're not going to be the very worst as long as this is their roster, but they're going to be pretty bad. All of these players, like every single one of these players on our team, we've seen them on bad teams. I Like you'll see people talking about it and they'll say, oh, th this player is too good for us to be, you know, like they'll say Jordan Clarkson's too good, Mike Conley's too good, Beasley, Sexton, whoever. Every single one of those players has been on awful teams Colin Sexton's best year was with the Cavs and they were bad enough that they got the number two pick for Mobley the next year. Mm -hmm. um, Larry Markinen's been on the really bad Bulls teams. Even Mike Conley was on the Grizzlies when after they fell down and he was, he was really good, had one of his best scoring seasons. They were still a very bad team. Every player on this team has Jordan Clarkson's been on awful Lakers teams, Cavs teams, Everybody has been a good player and still bad. Bad teams have good players. That Just having good players doesn't make a team good. And none of these guys have ever proven that they can take a team to a good level without stars like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert leading them. I really like that thought because you're, you're right. Honestly, every one of these guys is kind of a complimentary or role player type guy. Uh, yep. at this point um but you're right like none of them i mean the, i think one of the issues the jazz are actually going to run into is like like you said they have a lot of nba players nba role players uh guys that have kind of you know different levels of their career there's like veterans and then there's young guys that haven't played and then there's guys that have kind of been a little disappointing 
at times in their career. But there hasn't been a guy on here that has like led a team to a winning record. Uh, but outside of Conley, but he's past those days, you know, Conley. Yeah, and that was when he, you know, Zebo and and Marcus Saul when Marcus Saul was just dominant. Um, right. But yeah, if you count just NBA players, I'm just gonna go through here. Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley. I guess we'll say question mark with Doke, even though actually Doke last year had like a week where you're like, uh, maybe Doke is good. Uh, <laughs> and then he got hurt. Uh, Malik Beasley. So that's three. Walker Kessler's a rookie, so not sure. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is like a not sure. Rudy Gay's an NBA player, although he's not very good anymore. Vanderbilt, that's five guys. Simone Fonte- Fontecchio's question mark. Colin Sexton, that's six. Talon Horton Tucker, I would say yes, because he's played NBA games. That's yeah. seven. Uh, Saban Lee has played. I'm not even sure Saban Lee's going to make the team. Kelly Olynyk, that's eight. Larry Markinen, that's nine. Stanley Johnson is kind of a question mark. I mean, there's like 12, 13 guys that, you know, that's like, that's like nine, 10 guys that are like NBA players that are going to want to see the floor. And that's not even talking about Ochai Agbaji, who we want to see on the floor. Mm-hmm. Not talking about, uh, like we said, we mentioned Walker Kessler. I want him to get minutes. I think Doak needs some minutes just is dope good or not? Uh, can he stay healthy or not? I mean, this team, Will Hardy actually has a really hard job. Like, find a way to play all these guys, make sure everyone's happy. And on a team that's losing, I think, I mean, just when you kind of like lay it out and you look at it, that's like, there's like 12 play guys you want to play. Yeah. There's just not enough. That, uh, that just brings to mind the quote that we've been hearing since the trades with Gobert and then with Mitchell. We've been hearing Ainge and Zanuck both repeating this idea that they're wanting a quick rebuild, not a long one. They're wanting like a one-year, two-year rebuild. And you can kind of see how that works because they have all of these supporting players that are legitimate players. Um, together, they're not going to be a very good team because there's no one to lead this team. But then – if you can get that player in the draft or with a trade or in free agency, if you can build a core, then you've already got supporting players around it that can kind of shoot you straight back into the playoffs. So I hadn't really thought about it, but each one of these trades is giving us players that are, you know, better than most tanking teams have. Even if they're not star players, they're still solid NBA players. So once you can find a way to, you know, hopefully draft a superstar player, then you've got role players already around him. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so you brought up something that I think is interesting. Like, you mentioned a quick rebuild. And I, my question for you is, do you think it's just a one-year turnaround? or Because I think it's a two- to three-year. We're bad. Like, I mean, I'm just looking at Simone Fonte- Fontecchio. Is it Fontecchio or Fontecchio? Fonte- yep. I, I am not an Italian speaker, but I know that Pinocchio is pronounced. The oh, that's true. Let's not Pinocchio, <laughs> like Pon, like Pinocchio, Fontecchio. Okay, there we go. Now I feel better. Go. Yeah. But we want him on the floor. You know, the Jazz want to see him play. If the Jazz put Fontecchio on the floor, they're going to lose. I mean, because he's it's a question mark. I mean, maybe Fontecchio comes in and he's just like, holy smokes, rookie of the year, you know. I mean that's that would be a wild season if Fontecchio is rookie of the year. That's like yeah. of all the simulations of the season, that's like a small one, but it would be a I guess it would be fun. Uh but we wanted him on the floor and I want to see I want here's the guys I want to see on the floor. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I want to see Fontecchio on the floor. I want to see Ogbaji on the floor. I want to see Walker Kessler. Those are three guys I would like to see. And I would like to see how good they are. I don't know. Walker Kessler, I'm kind of, I'm not sure on. I mean, he's, he's a, he could be a nice NBA player, but he's kind of, I think at best Walker Kessler is a nice kind of backup center. Like a, to me, his comp is kind of, um, who was our backup center last year? What was his name? Uh, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. To me, he's kind of like, his comp to me would be like Hassan Whiteside kind of like a very tall shot blocker probably not very quick in open space but in fact that kind of makes a lot of sense to me but anyways i want to see how good he is um but i you know but i want to see agbaji and i want to see if Fontecchio. uh we haven't even mentioned talon horton tucker who maybe he he's only you know what's crazy about talon horton tucker he is how old is he he's 21 let's see wow yeah Talon Horton Tucker is 21 years old. So he hasn't. And basically every player who's left LA has gotten better. <laughs> like what if Talon yeah. Horton Tucker is like pretty good? I don't know if he's going to be a star. I don't think so. But maybe he could be like a nice sixth man type if he can develop into at least an average efficiency because he is big and he can handle. But yeah, man. So you you tell me what are the players you want to see and how do the Jazz get them on the floor? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's all up to Will Hardy and if he's if he's trying to prioritize development or wins. If he's trying to prioritize wins, then it's those 
players you listed that are we know are legitimate NBA players, they're going to get a lot of minutes. But if he's trying to prioritize um, development, then yeah, I'd like to see a starting lineup of Sexton at the point guard, Agbaji at the two, Fontecchio, and then I'd probably go with um, Markinen at the four and Vanderbilt at the five, go a little bit smaller. Um, but the thing is, I'm very much on Doak Island. <laughs> oh, you are on Doak I Island. I am. I don't know if there are very many with me on Doak Island, but I'm there. <laughs> and I, I like Doak. I was big on Doak. Some of it was coping because we didn't right. draft him. And so I was well, like, well, then I'm just going to be all in on Doak. Yeah, I uh, think we can all agree he was not the right pick. That doesn't mean he can't be a good player. The, yeah. it, the pick didn't make any sense at the time, but I still think he has a lot of potential. He's just one of the most physically gifted big men in the whole league. He's just his size and his athleticism are basically pretty. unmatched. It's pretty freakish. Yeah. Just, and he's got timing on defense and he can just out physical anybody. If he can figure out how to put it together, how to kind of, calm down on the court, not get so many fouls and just kind of play within himself. He can become a very solid player. So I, I hesitate to not put him in that starting lineup. I might pull Fontecchio out of it, put Markin in uh, Vanderbilt and Doak. That's not a lot of shooting though. So that could be, that could be ugly, but it might be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and really, I mean, I guess it's going to be interesting. The Jazz's first 20 games is pretty brutal. Like, I I don't know if the Jazz are going to win more than... I, honestly, go look at it if you're watching or listening to this. Go pull up the schedule. I don't know if they win more than four games. And I that might be... I mean, I'm sure they'll win one or two that were like, oh, wow. But if you just look at it, uh, you know, because any night, some guy can just go crazy and have just a bonkers night. And, you know, maybe like there's a few games where J Jared Vanderbilt looks like defensive player of the year, which he could at times. Um, but I just, I have a hard time seeing him win more than like, I guess four to six games at most. Um, and I just think at some point you're going to have some of these veterans, the Jordan Clarkson's of the world, the, and I actually think Mike Conley, we heard a report that there was a vet, like Tony Jones was talking about it, that there's a vet on the team that likes being in Utah. I think that's Mike Conley. Yeah. Just because I, I think his kids are in school. You see him doing like youth sports with his kids and stuff. I think that's why. I think he is. It's like when you're an old vet and you have a family and kids, it's very, it, it's lame to get traded and uproot your kids and, or not be with your kids because you go to like, like Donovan went to Cleveland. If, if Conley went to Cleveland, that would be, you know, no fun for his family. So I think Conley might be on the team the entire year. Uh, as like a mentor but someone like jordan clarkson um some of these vets i malik beasley those are the two guys that i kind of just wonder i i i'm kind of surprised malik beasley is still on the team to be honest because he kind of seems like the guy that has the most trade value to some of these winning teams um and i just can't see malik be malik beasley has a little bit of like reputation to improve i guess just because some of his off court stuff has been a little you know a little sketch but he seems like and in terms of just on court play he's one of the most i'm sure he's one of the more tradable guys that other teams would be like yeah we'd like to get 
uh, Malik Beasley. We had heard a rumor that another team, I guess, to watch, but but someone like Milwaukee, we had heard a rumor they were interested in in Jordan Clarkson. And if they're interested in Clarkson, I could see them being. I mean, Malik Beasley on on Milwaukee is pretty scary. I mean, that shooting with you, you know, that's that's kind of a perfect perfect pick. Or just him reuniting with Jokic and Denver. Anyways, I think what's going to happen is these first twenty games, the Jazz are going to be like five and fifteen at best, and you're going to see guys like Malik Beasley and and Jordan Clarkson and guys like that probably be moved. Um, and go to like better situations, you know, Mil- Milwaukee, maybe they have an injury of some sort, Denver, uh, the Lakers might just decide they want to actually win. You know, <laughs> the Lakers are a dumpster fire. Their front office is, I don't know, but I just see one of these teams going after Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, one of these guys, and it's only a matter of time. Um, uh, let's see, I guess what, what are I, I don't know. What do you what are what else are you excited about for this training camp preseason and season that maybe we haven't mentioned? I'm excited to see the system that Will Hardy puts in. I'm oh, I'm really curious about that. We've gotten so used to Quinn Snyder, who was so exciting for us to see him come in and take over the reins and clearly put his stamp on the team. And I'm really excited to figure out what Will Hardy basketball looks like, what his brand is, what, you know, is this team going to be more of an offensively focused team, defensive, you know, what's, what's going to stand out about Will Hardy and his coaching. Um, It can be hard to see what a coach does, but um, so far it's been really fun to listen to his interviews and to see, you mentioned the jazz putting out um, videos uh, on YouTube and Twitter and things like that. It's really fun to see Will Hardy just being one of the guys. They, the <laughs> Jazz went with, uh, they, they took the players over to the Real Salt Lake Stadium and uh, played with, played around at a pra- practice with the RSL team. And Hardy was just part of it. And, you know, it's just yeah. really fun. I'm excited to see how he fits with this team. He's not that much older than a few of our guys. So, <laughs> Just no, like he's years. young. Um, so, you know, he could be a player with his age. And so it's going to be fun to see how that works as the youngest head coach in the NBA. And uh, I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the team. So, and I don't want to dive into the whole thing with the Celtics, but I have to say, we kind of, I wonder if Will Hardy knew some of that stuff was going on and maybe that might have been why he might have been a little willing to leave Boston. Although, you know, I think him getting an opportunity to be head coach was also part of it. Um, In some ways, we're kind of, whether that was the case or, you know, we just got lucky to get him before the opening in Boston happened because you can bet right now Boston is so frustrated that Will Hardy is not on that coaching staff and able to coach for them because he was the lead assistant He's very well respected. Bill Simmons gets mad every time that name comes up. I mean, I don't know if anyone here listens to Bill Simmons, but he is so not happy with the fact that Danny Ainge was able to poach Will Hardy. We're kind of lucky. I'm excited to, like you said, I'm excited to see what Will Hardy does. He is the youngest coach in the league. It'll be interesting to see what our team looks like. What kind of, what does our offense look like? What does our, our defense look like? 
I think there is a value and I maybe, and this is me just kind of thinking or speculating, but I do think there is an element of it being nice to start the season with guys like Mike Conley on the team because they can run an offense. They know how to run an offense. And so someone like Simone Fontecchio probably needs like a point guard like Mike Conley who can set him up in the right way and run the offense in the right way. Uh, Colin Sexton is is kind of a score first guard. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works and how he incorporates everyone. But there's a lot of value to having someone like Mike Conley on your team running sets so guys can learn how to do Ochai Agbaji. If you can play next to Mike Conley on the bench a little bit and just learn how to play with another guard, really huge value in that to me. Um, And and also just like Jordan Clarkson and and Malik Beasley and them showing them how to become a, a good NBA player just in practice and in training camp. And a lot of these young guys, they come in the league, they don't know like, what to expect and so if you see someone like mike conley or clarkson or beasley and you see what they did to become these elite shooters and offensive players there's a lot of value in that and then after like 20 25 games if you're really bad maybe you've learned kind of what you need to and you can kind of move on i guess but anyways what do you think about that i absolutely agree i think it's really important for young players to have veteran solid players that can show them how to be an NBA player because it's, it's a whole life that they're new to and it's, it's a job that they're new to and figuring it out is probably not easy for a lot of guys. You see it, you hear it from almost every young star. They will give a ton of credit to veterans that were on their team. You've heard John Morant talk about how much Jay Crowder helped the young Grizzlies when he was on their team for a year. And you'll hear Jason Tatum give a lot of credit to Al Horford for how much he helped him and and things like that. Just having that player who who's been there, who knows everything there is to know about the NBA and is willing to share with all of their teammates and they're going to put it all out on the court can really set a tone for these young guys in their career and show them how the game is supposed to be played. Even if they're not winning a lot of games, they're still going to be figuring out how to play NBA basketball. I think, Mike Conley is a great guy for that. I think Jordan Clarkson's a great guy for that. And you couldn't get two more different players and personalities, but I think they both are really positive influences on the players around them. Yeah, like yeah, like Clarkson might click with certain guys, Conley can click with other guys. And even like Fontecchio, I'm actually honestly, maybe Fontecchio is one of the most interesting guys on this team. He might be good. You never know. Maybe he like earns a spot, but uh even Fontecchio, he plays in Europe. Europe doesn't play games as many games as they do in the U.S. Like if you're playing on Real Madrid or, or I can't remember if it's Real Madrid or, but anyways, you're in the European leagues. They play like once a week. You come to the NBA, you're playing like three to four games a week. And that's hard to learn. And so, you know, even like Fontecchio, who's, you know, he's an older rookie. He's not played that schedule. And so Mike Conley knows how to like, play 82 games uh clarkson knows how to play 82 games they can kind of just take them under their wing and it's great walker kessler with even doke has like three years now doke can help kessler uh kelly olenic can be it's you can kind of see 
what Ainge is doing here a little bit. He's bringing in guys, and it, it's why I think we probably see Malik Beasley. I think Malik Beasley is the next guy traded. I think he's traded sooner than later. But someone like Kelly Olynyk, you bring in, you're like, well, why did we trade? You know, we trade Bojan. We don't get a first. We just get this guy, Kelly Olynyk, who's like a 10, 12-year vet. Well, guess what? Kelly Olynyk has played in the NBA for 12 years at the center. He's a guy that can teach Walker Kessler how to be an NBA center. Like, he knows how to play center. He can teach Walker Kessler. And those are guys that are going to be playing in camp together. They're going to be banging bodies together, little things that they can learn. And you can see what Ainge is kind of doing. It's like he's bringing in these, like, mentors. And so I don't know. I like what Ainge is doing. I, it, the Jazz are a little bit of a fine line here because the goal is to get a generational guy in the draft. I think all this being said, the Jazz would like a Wembenyama or a Thompson twin or, or Scoot Henderson or something like that from the draft. But they have a lot of role players on this team that if they can kind of teach them the game, when you do get like that guy, Wembenyama or someone like that, they can come in and then they've got role players next to them that are already ready to go. And that's the scenario maybe where it does become a pretty quick turnaround. If you find like your, your Jokic or your Giannis or your Luka, and you've got good, good, solid role players next to them, Vanderbilt, like, I mean, honestly, I don't want to get, maybe this is a podcast for another day, but does anyone fit Wembenyama better than Vanderbilt? I mean, it's like crazy to think about. But anyways, if those guys are like ready to go and then you bring in Wimbenyama, the culture is there that they've talked about. They know how to play. They know how to be pros. That's the thing with, I love what OKC does, but there's danger in what OKC does where it's just young guys, just bad players, just, and you're kind of hoping the coach just teaches you all this. And it's like, I don't know, maybe they don't learn the culture. Maybe they don't learn how to be winning players. Maybe they don't learn the habits they need to when it's just them coming in. You know, it's scary. I mean, OKC, I like what they've done. I love Chet. It's too bad he got hurt for the year. And I think OKC is set up to be really good at some point. But man, that's a little scary because all of a sudden you've got contracts running out. Lou Dort is not going to be on that team forever. You know, and so I don't know. I like what the Jazz are doing. I do think Malik Beasley is going to be traded at some point here soon. Um, but I like it. Anything else you want to add before we end this this pod? Yeah, I just think uh, it all just depends on finding that balance of playing good basketball and teaching the right way to play basketball but not being too good. I don't think there's any way the Jazz slip into the playoffs. There are just too many good teams in the West. You can probably name – 10 to 12 teams that are just without a doubt better teams. And so it's, they're not going to be a playoff team. The problem is how far are they going to be from the bottom? Cause you want to be in one of those bottom three spots. If that's unrealistic, you want to be as close as you can. And so if you can do that while maintaining, you know, pushing good principles, teaching good basketball, letting these players develop, then that's the perfect sweet spot. And then you have a chance at one of these, hopefully, generational players. And if not, we still have three first-round picks. And so that's three bites at the apple. Of course, you want those to be as high towards the top of the draft as you can. But 
the only one we really have control of is our own pick. So we're going to get that plus two more bites at the apple, and hopefully we can just we can get a really good player or two from those picks. And from there, yeah, we'll start to have a turnaround. I think one year is probably unrealistic. The only real one-year rebuilds are when Steph Curry sits out a year or uh, David Robinson sits out a, a year <laughs> and you draft a Tim Duncan. So it's not really a realistic scenario to have a one-year turnaround. But two or yeah. three years can be done. And so if well, you can get that sort of player, that can be done. Well, and really, I think just looking back at what Ainge has done in the past, it's like he's always built with two to three stars and then they go uh, with, you know, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett and, and Call the truth. Yeah. Like that was the team. And then he did it again, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They realized they had two all-stars, two studs on the wing too, by the way. Uh, and they were good to go. And I think that's what he's going to do. I mean, I think it's the only chance this is really like a one year turnaround is if, is if like Ochai Baji turns out to be just this, you know, so someone becomes crazy good that we didn't expect, you know, maybe Fontecchio's crazy good. I don't Colin see Sexton or Larry Mark. Yeah. It's a potential that they were drafted to be. Exactly. And they're just like crazy good that we just came out of nowhere. I don't really see that. That's why I think it's like two years. I think, I think like, I think Ogbaji has a chance to be a really nice player. I, I think he could be a really good, you know, maybe starting shooting guard in the league, maybe. But I don't know if he's like a, I don't think he's going to have like a Donovan rise. I, I, but you never know. He kind of, I guess best case scenario for me before we end is like, maybe he's like a buddy healed. Like he's just like this great shooter at the kind of the shooting guard that can really, you know, but I think that's kind of like a best case scenario. Although, it, you know, who knows? I guess you never know. Maybe he's a great defender too. And I don't know. But anyways, that's all I got. I, th I think this is going to be really fun. Guys, media day is tomorrow and preseason starts in a week. So we'll be doing this, this podcast actually. So that means next Sunday is, is the first game. So we may not have the podcast next week. We'll see. We'll have to figure that out. But uh, this is a lot of fun, Calvin. I guess, uh, guys, if you're on this, uh on the pod or on the video make sure you like subscribe if you're on the if you're on the podcast make sure you leave a review that would be really great um anything else calvin yeah we'll probably be back after the next trade we keep just coming after trades <laughs> and there will be a lot this once year. once jordan clarkson or, or someone else gets traded we'll be back <laughs> uh, i agree yeah we'll be back so anyways talk to you later calvin